Hey friends, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish, here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this show, I go through steps for Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday role-playing game. In this case, I am running Scarlet Citadel by Cobalt Press. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. Patrons get access to the City of Arches Sourcebook, Uncovered Secrets Volume 1 and 2, a dedicated Discord channel, the monthly Q&A, and a whole lot more. But most of all, they help me put on shows like this. To the patrons of Sly Flourish, thank you so much for your support. We have had a couple of weeks off from Scarlet Citadel. We it's summer has been rough. Summer's been rough for scheduling games overall. I have 3 kind of regular games that I run and two of the three have had multiple sessions that could not come in place because people are traveling, people are going off with family on various vacations. I think a lot of people, I don't know if it's like kind of a post-COVID, people are finally getting back to a normal schedule of going on vacations and traveling and stuff like that, but it has been hard to get my games going. So for the Scarlet Citadel group, we've actually missed two sessions. We missed, we had one session off then one session, then missed two sessions, and now we're back on again. So it's actually been quite a quite a gap. We did manage, I, I thought last week we weren't going to have enough people to run Scarlet Citadel, and then it turned out we had plenty. I think we had six. We had one guest show up for the game, and instead of running Scarlet Citadel, we ran Shadow Dark. Shadow Dark RPG, a, a gauntlet. A Shadow Dark RPG zero-level gauntlet that was really fun. And I have videos for all of that. If you look in the YouTube channel or you go back through previous podcasts, you can see that there are some Shadow Dark. I think there's going to be three different Shadow Dark shows where I talk about a deep dive on the Shadow Dark RPG itself, a prep session for prepping the Shadow Dark um, gauntlet, and a aftermath. How did it actually go? What were our experiences? What did we learn? So that was really those, those were three fun shows, and it was really fun to run, so I was, very, I was very happy to do that. But I'm also happy to get back to Scarlet Citadel. Although, honestly, between us, I am looking forward to Scarlet Citadel. I'm looking forward to the conclusion of Scarlet Citadel. I'm like, I think we all are. I think my players are, too. I, I did a little bit of kind of informal polling on like how people feel about it, and I definitely don't think my players are having as much fun with Scarlet Citadel as they have in other campaigns that I've run. I think we have run the Mega Dungeon you know, as far as we want to run it. And even though there's been a lot of interesting things, a lot of changes, a lot of dynamics, a lot of fun events, I don't think they regret it. And we've had a good time. But compared to like my Eberron game, compared to, I don't even, oh, the Numenera, I bet they enjoyed this more than they enjoyed Numenera. I have a feeling, certainly later. But I think the, the story of Numenera was definitely a lot better. So I think that like, yeah, I think I think we're all kind of eager to to move away from Scarlet Citadel, which means it's probably time to like push things forward. So we're going to talk a little bit about pushing push pushing things forward. So let's take a look at what happened in the last session. So the last time did I June twenty fifth? I had a session. Did we play? Yes, we actually played this session. Good. Okay. Sometimes I have prep notes where, where I hadn't played. So last time they, let's see, the strong start was the attack of the race of Lagfell. So they were releasing the River King. That's right. This is what happened last time. They were releasing the River King. And in doing so, were fighting the wraiths of Lagfell, which were Lagfell is a lich. So they had to, oh, this is actually, no, this goes back. So we ran a session after this, I think in which they battled this is funny i think i have i, I think i have notes older than this cuz they they did all of this so well we'll we'll, we'll catch up so they released an entity known as the River King, which was an eternal enemy of a lich named Lagfell, who was originally a follower of Charon, but then became a follower of Vardazane, the ghoul, the ghoul, the god of the ghouls. And the characters 
uh, released the River King, then went to the Mushroom Grove, had a long rest, then went back to fight, went back to fight Lagfell and found Lagfell wounded, but the River King is destroyed because they waited an entire day to fight the River King. And now I remember, right? And we had a whole conversation about how the characters essentially sent an enemy after another enemy, but then waited an entire day, which would have been enough time for the Lich to fully recover after the battle. But I was like, ah, that's a little lame. So I let the Lich be a little bit more wounded, burned burned her top level spells. And they fought her and beat her, and it was really hard. But then right at the end, her phylactery, which was the chain thing, a super powerful, otherworldly, you know, other like undead entity came. And they fought the chain thing, and it kicked a lot of ass, but they killed it too. And when they did, that destroyed Lagfell. So then they said, okay, wow, well, we're wounded, we're beat up. What do we, we, we know that we need to go get the third icosahedron. We know that the Shogoth is the last remaining entity we have to destroy in order to free the third icosahedron. But why don't we teleport out and have a rest at Red Tower? And then I had to sit back and think like, hmm, well, I know that Gellert the Gruesome a, the the bo- basically the boss of Scarlet Citadel, the guy who started all of this. I had this fun little thing where when they were going down to level five, he was fleeing. He was running away because he had released something down below that's far worse than he had imagined. He's like, I got to get the hell out of here. And he left. And I was thinking about like, I, I kind of wanted to bring him back in, but I wasn't sure how that was going to play out. And then I had this idea when they said they wanted to teleport back out. And I was like, hmm. And then I thought like, wouldn't it be interesting? Their teleportation spot is a hidden temple to the Weird Weaver, which is actually underneath the Temple of Kors in Red Tower, that there was a secret temple buried underneath the ground called the Temple of the Weird Weaver. And that has been kind of their secret base, the character's secret base. But two of the four icosahedrons are there, two of the other four icosahedrons. The third is still not there yet. And my thought was, what if Gellert found out? What if he could, because he's kind of in tune with these things. He kind of built them, right? These, these, these anchors are his. He would know where they are. And if he like went back to Red Tower, he was like, I'm fleeing. I'm going to go to Red Tower. I'm going to buy all my crap and I'm going to get the hell out of town. And then when this entire region becomes the wasted, the wasted cross crossroads, I'm going to be somewhere else. But then he goes back and then he feels them and he's like, they're here. And then he like goes around and he digs around in the Temple of Kors and he finds the secret thing and he goes down there and he confronts the characters, sort of caretaker of the orb, of the orbs who is there, you know, an NPC that nobody remembers. Not I barely remember them. The characters don't remember him. And then he's like, I need to get those icosahedrons back because I can use the power from that and I can go down and, and, and seal up this thing that I've done, maybe. So he goes down there to do that. And then the characters teleport in because they teleport back in. So at the end of the last session, they teleported to their lair and they see the character's name is, where's the NPC? Tymon. So Tymon was the follower of the Weird Weaver who was down there. And Tymon is like beat up and wounded and kind of off to the side like his hand is frozen because Gellert the Gruesome did something to him. And they turn and there's Gellert the Gruesome. He's like, oh, it's you. Like, you're. this is... You came back here? By the way, Gellert the Gruesome's archetype is evil Doc Brown with a little bit of Jim Ignatowski from... So Jim Ignatowski from Taxi Driver, Christopher Lloyd, essentially. But a little bit of Jim Ignatowski, a little bit of Doc Brown from Back to the Future, only evil and powerful. So he's like, well, you, you came back. And his whole thing is like, I'm going to take those icosahedrons and I'm going to go down there. And the character's like, you're not taking our icosahedrons. First of all, you're the one that caused all this crap. 
we don't want you doing that. And he's like, yeah, but I'm the only one who can. Like, you know, I'm powerful. And they had this really interesting conversation with him about luck and randomness. They were trying to explain to him luck and randomness. And he's like, I, I make my own luck. There is no luck. Like, there's only what we take with power and strength. And they're like, no, that's not how it works. It's totally luck. He's like, no, there isn't. Like, you know, it's fool. Only fools think that, that just the fates are what guide them. But for, for me, I know I am in control of my life, which, is, of course, is a totally idiotic way of thinking about it. But I like that he thinks that way, right? He's kind of the egotist that thinks he controls everything. And so they started to have a conversation with him and he was like, I got to go. And he, so I started with him like doing hostile stuff, but I do, I did, I hear, I heard the players say, we still want to talk to him. So I'm, I think we're going to start with sort of his power growing and we'll see, but like, it's going to be hard for them to not battle Gellert, but they might have part of the conversation. They might have a fight and then end the conversation on the assumption that they defeat him. So we have a good, strong start today. And we will generate a new session planning template. Oh, that's this is why I'm an idiot. So I went to the June, but we have the July 9th was the last game that we've had. And this is one where they fought the chain thing. They got the soul back and, you know, lots of other things that occurred. So that's, that's what happened in the last session. So now we are going to create our session planning template for the next session here. And this is for 3rd July, Sunday Scarlet Citadel. We have our characters. So Bart cannot make it. So we have Dorn, Greycastle. Dorn is a shade fighter sorcerer, former adventurer whose body has been slowly decayed. He now has the face of a dwarven woman, the body of a, of, uh, of a, of a, of a tradesman named Potter, and the soul of Dorn Greycastle who came from another world. Looking for the path either to returning to life or to find death, not really clear. Garble is a mushroom folk rogue far traveler. Garble is seeking a home for his people, has found pretty much where it should be, except knowing that the, 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 the twisting of the ley lines and the, the, the strange manipulation of the weird weaver, that that, is a, that that all needs to be solved before they're going to be able to bring their people there. We have Mez Rumseleth, fighter parfumier, who is the caretaker for Dorn. And or for Potter anyway, which hasn't been going particularly well and seeks to kind of restore the paths of the dead, follow the paths of the dead, which are now all over the place. They found the river sticks that are the, the tributary of the river sticks known as the Black River below. And that has definitely been a, you know, they've definitely noticed that that path has not been going well and that it needs to be solved. We have Sister Malarkey Jones, a tiefling warlock cleric follower of the Weird Weaver who, again, seeks to restore the path of the Weird River. And Skrink Skibbers, a ratfolk wizard occultist who was sacrificed to summon the Shogoth, which I think we learned last time. So we have neat stuff. We have neat stuff going on there. Hey, my mom is here. Hi, mom. So our strong start today is facing Gellert. That's pretty straightforward in the Temple of the Weird Weaver. I don't think we need to do a lot of prep for this. So the only thing is like there are two there are two floating icosahedrons that the characters are covered. Could they tap into that somehow? Could they draw could they essentially draw luck from it? That might be kind of fun. Like what if it's like a DC 15 arcana or religion 
to call upon the icosahedrons, have them pop open, and little tiny bits of luck, which form into these celestial D20s, come rolling out. And characters can grab them and essentially get three luck points for, from them. If they grab them, they grab the three luck points, then they can use them to kind of reroll. That might be a fun way. If they fail on the check, though, it's possible Gellert can use them, and he can, he can grab these, these, these luck points as well. So I think that that might be, you know, that might be kind of fun. I might, I might, I might, I might enjoy that. As far as scenes go, so we're going to have Gellert, you know, face off against Gellert. We have probably recovery at Red Tower. We have probably returning to the Scarlet Citadel. And I think the only remaining anchor on level five is the Shogoth. Now, there could be some path. I like, I, I want to, yeah, I'm kind of getting tired of all these big bosses that they're facing, everything like that. And then the descend into level six. And then close the rift and save the day. And one year later. So we have a nice, like, you know, what's the final part of this campaign going to be like? I, this, is the, this is where the, the yam shaped adventure narrows down. And I'm pretty happy that it's going to narrow down at this point. So, secrets and clues. Gellert built the icosahedrons as a way to tap into the power of the weird weaver and quote make his own luck that is one secret what are some other secrets gel i don't need to link to him every time gellert tore open gellert using the last icosahedron tore open a rift to the dark beyond to the void it's growing it was a tiny pinprick just a few days ago and is now growing much larger much faster it will be a matter in a matter of a week or so the rift will overtake the entire crossroads region the good news is that it will be quick the people of Red Tower will hardly feel a thing. The characters probably have one to two days to deal with this before the rift becomes too big to manage. I want to offer myself a little bit of a dial on here. So what what could Gellert have done to kind of slow slow its growth, mostly so he could get out? Did he leave something there? Yeah, Gellert left the final icosahedron, right? Left the final icosahedron at the site of the rift to help it so it could slow down the progression enough for him to get the hell out. Any other any other secrets? One, two, three. We got six secrets so far, four more secrets that they could potentially learn. I think one secret is that the actual, the final icosahedron doesn't really exist. It's a placebo. The real icosahedron resides within Bart and has all along. This isn't great because Bart's not there. The the player that's playing Bart is not there. So this is probably not going to be, probably not going to come up this session. Do we have any, let's see, the Shogoth is the final anchor for the third icosahedron. The icosahedron itself is protected by the spider's of Ling. So what would the spiders want if the spiders 
become aware that the icosahedron or that the rift is growing, they'll take the third icosahedron back with them to the twisted plateau of Ling. We tried to look up some information about Ling last time. Let's take let's take a look at some of our notes for that. Because I remember we were looking at Ling. In the lost sands of the Dragon Empire to the north, some say it reaches and touches to the realms beyond. The spider of Ling rule, a thousand thralls whose minds have been twisted. Yeah. So we have these information about Ling. Because Ling is a thing from Love, Lovecraft lore that has made its way into Midgard, which I kind of dig. But I don't know enough about it. But we'll grab those three secrets and anyway, throw them in there. So I got plenty of secrets. That's pretty straightforward. Fantastic locations, I don't really need to do because they're in the book. So I'm not going to worry about that. NPCs, we have the Shogoth. We no longer have the chain thing. So I can pop this out of current and it disappears. We have the Thoas Nightcaster and Last Baskalag are a couple. So these are all, these are all right. I don't think we, we want to add our friend that we were just looking at. Well, so we have Clara. She's still around. That might be interesting. We have Tymon. Did I add Clara to current? I did. Okay. So we've got a couple of other NPCs around town. There is also Brynjar, Loki touched. He is now good friends with the mayor, Winslaw Braz. I think that would be a fun bit of red, like what's going on in Red Tower. Enthralled? I can't remember the dude's name. I just wrote it down. Winslaw. Brynjar slash Loki. Let's take over Red Tower and make it his own personal playground. That's fun. The characters, I don't even know what level they are. I couldn't even tell you. Let's see. I think uh, they are, they got to be higher than sixth level. I think they're at least seventh level now. I really hope so. And I think they'll get a level if they defeat Gellert. Like that seems like a, a reasonable, well, I don't know. No, they, they, they're definitely going to get to eighth level the minute they get one of the next icosahedron. So I think they're seventh level now. And they, so the benchmark, there are four or five of them. So the benchmark is either 14 or seven times five divided by two is 17. 14 or 17 is the deadly benchmark. With a max, if they're seventh, then about a 10th or 11th is the maximum for any one monster. I tell you, it's really easy, man. You get that encounter benchmark in your head. It is really easy to figure out exactly what like the maximum cap is on the kind of things that you can throw. So we have Deep Ones, Lesser Scrag, perhaps. Deep One, High Priest, yes. Water Leaper, Sipakati are those alligator things. The Drowned Maiden. I don't remember the Drowned Maiden comes up. We no longer need to worry about the chain thing. So we can pull the chain thing from our holding pattern. Death Wisps, Greater Scrags, Spider of Ling, Deep One, Archimantri, right? Ghostwalk and the Lesser Shogoth. The Lesser Shogoth was something we were looking at. That's a CR 12. But what about Gellert? What is Gellert? I think, is he an archmage? So let's take a look at the book and see what Gellert is. Just, 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 we start, we might as well start with what we paid for and then we can change it as we go. Gellert the Gruesome is challenge rating 11, according to, he has a, a dedicated stat block. He wears a brooch of shielding, a cloak of protection, does he have any other? This is this is probably good. We can throw this in our treasure. 88 hit points, AC 15, CR 11. Gellert has advantage on saving throws. Dragon wings. He can sprout black dragon wings and gains a fly speed of 30. Those are kind of cool. Empowered spells. When he rolls damage for a spell, he can re-roll up to five dice. That sounds boring. Heightened spells causes the target. So he's like a sorcerer type. Leylying acclamation. 
the spellcasting other doesn't trigger chaos magic or wild magic sur- sur- surges. Spells that have a casting time of one action can be cast as a bonus action. He is still limited to one casting per turn. 16th level is his spellcasting area, is his spellcaster trait. Glimpse of the void sounds cool. Prismatic spray. Like, look at that. If you prismatic sprays, you're just going to put everybody in the ground. Unquiet dagger does psychic damage. Does five piercing damage plus 10 psychic damage. That is a lot. The unquiet dagger. I kind of like this. This is kind of a cool thing that he's got. I don't know about the frightened. We're not going to do frightened. As a piece of treasure, we could say that once per day, the creature attuned to the unquiet dagger can activate it. Once per day, as a bonus action, the psychic screams of the dagger. Uh, For one minute, the dagger inflicts an extra 10 3d6 psychic damage that's a lot that's a lot of psychic damage i mean it's that makes it it's stronger it is a dagger so that's okay it's so it's lower damage because it's a dagger it is 3d6 is a lot that's stronger than a it's stronger than a what is it called the flame sword thing a flame tongue sword but the flame tongue sword can do it all the time this only does it for one battle per day I think this is fine. And to say like it doesn't have a plus bonus, I think is pretty good. So I think that's okay. It's a little strong, but we're at the end of the campaign. And I don't think it returns. So like you have to go, if you throw it, you have to go get it again. So that's cool. But I think we're going to redo our, because like these spells are, are, are nutty. He is legendary, but I think we're basically just going to give him legendary resistance instead of worrying about legendary. So we're going to make our own Gellert the Gruesome. So we're going to, you know, go here. And CR-wise, we decide, so what makes sense? CR, the idea is like CR-12 kind of makes sense. That makes him pretty tough compared to the characters. He is a humanoid. He is AC, so he would be using like the equivalent of mage armor and stuff. probably 15. And he probably has the use of shield. Hit points, so we're going to use Forge of Foes for this let's go get our forge of foes go dig up our forge of foes book here forge of foes is available for, available for pre-order right now you can go to go to sly flourish here's how you get it go to slyflourish.com click that forge of foes icon in the upper right in the upper right takes you to the backer kit page but you can add it right now you can add the hardcover and or pdf and every morning, I think, certainly every weekday morning, we, we lock in the orders, which means you will get your copy of the PDF within a day or two of, of ordering it. If you're seeing this during the weekday, we do it every weekday. So you can get your own PDF copy right away. And then you'll get the physical version when everybody else does. So it's the pre-order on the page. Check it out. Link in the show notes. And you can get this table. So we decided that CR12, so hit points are going to be 175 initiative we'll do two initiative roll is 12 legendary yes source is forge of foes page number don't worry about condition no damage no no so okay those are all set and stat wise so let's see get with the gruesome ac 15 hit points we said 175 right what else do we need? So proficiency, like like the skills in which Gellert is ultimately proficient is plus nine. So the things he's really good at are plus nine. That includes his attacks. His DPR, his damage per round maximum, we said 12, is 77. 
four attacks at 19. Plus nine, 19 damage. So that's his baseline stats. I forget, is that is there anything else we need? I don't think so. 12. Equipment character level is 18. AC is 17. So we'll bump we'll bump it. Well, no, because he's gonna have shield, so his average will be 17. 175 hit points, plus nine to hit, 77. Yeah, so that's that's really all we need. And then we could say, like, there there's certain things. Like if we want to get, I mean, right now I'm ready to go, right? And I can just reflavor those attacks. But I think I like his idea of like a void ball. DC is 17 and it will inflict 24 points. So 28 is a fireball, which is a little strong, but I think that's, I think that's okay. He has his, what did we call the dagger? The unquiet dagger plus nine to hit. And it does nine piercing. And we're going to say it does less piercing, right? So it's a D4, but it like adds his charisma bonus to it, which is like a five. So nine, nine sounds right. Plus 10 psychic. That's good. Void, void spears. These are like his ranged attack. And these are for 19 force. I like to do one D6 plus 16. That works. That's nice. And those he can do at range or. He can do those at range, or he can do them local, close. But his close, he's probably going to go attack with the Unquiet Dagger. Attacks! Gellert makes four Unquiet. Let me see. He can make two, and two Void Spear, or four, or four Void Spear attacks. He can replace three of these attacks with a Void Ball. We'll call it Void Rift. A reaction, shield. Void shield. That's pretty straightforward. Is there anything else we want to give him? Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't think so. Like, I don't think he needs a damage shield. He's going to be pouring it out. Uh, he does have resistance, legendary resistance, and these are tiny little void spheres. Tiny little void. Three tiny little void spheres falling over his head, and each time he uses legendary resistance, one of them disappears. That looks good to me. I'm pretty happy with that. We can get rid of the DPR. We don't really need it. We can get rid of that. We're not going to worry about his saves. Let's see. He sucks at strength and dex. He's okay at con. He's good. Probably he's okay at con and wisdom. And he's great at charisma and intelligence. So we'll give him a plus six on con and whiz and a plus zero on strength and dex and a plus nine on in and charisma. Sometimes you don't really have to worry about doing, like, you can improvise these. It's heresy to some, but don't worry about it. So that's a pretty strong, quick stat block for Gellert the Gruesome, CR 12, Void Mage, Arch. Is it an Arch Void Mage? I mean, Arch Mage is CR 12. That works. I think he'll be pretty strong. So in the assumption he hits two Void Rifts, yeah, Arch Mage of the Void, that's pretty good. This void rift damage. So 19, what's 19 times two is 38. Do I have that right? 38. So I think this is actually going to do more. 38 points of void damage or subtract three from that. 35, 1d6 plus 35, 35 points of void damage on two targets. Three targets. He's a big boss. We're going to do three targets, but he can only do void rift is a full action. So yeah, that'll be the only thing he can do that round. So I think that's pretty good. Okay. And we definitely want to have... So Gellert is in the Scarlet Citadel holding pattern. So we've got Gellert the Gruesome there. Cool. 
all right, so we've got our NPCs. We've got a big pile of secrets. We got scenes. We got secrets and clues. We've got everything else here that we need. Treasure. They could find his treasure hoard. So let's go to a for fun. Let's do a tier three treasure hoard. He's he's tier three. Look at this. 162,000 gold pieces. I mean, that'd be his entire kingdom, right? That's pretty great. I kind of like this one. This this hoard, it's huge. Thousand, you know, a whole pile of thousand gold piece gems. 11,000 in just gemstones. Heward's handy spice pouch. Instrument of illusions. Potions of healing. Spell scrolls. Protection from energy. Potion of resistance acid. A bag of holding and a ring of swimming on top of his other stuff. I think that's pretty good. And then I like the idea that he has 158,841 gold mix of gold and platinum in his bag of holding because he's on his way out. He, he completely raided the, all of the treasury of Scarlet Citadel and took it with him. Makes sense, right? Oh, he does have a cloak of protection and the brooch of shielding. So that's probably worth noting. He's probably a 16 AC because of the cloak of protection. And his saves are a little touch up. So he's like plus one. Plus, well, we'll keep that at plus six and plus 10 on charisma and saves. Yeah, cool, All right? And the idea is he raided, he raided the entire thing. So like they defeat him and they survive, they get 158,000 gold plus a, a, another 110, another 11,000 gold and a bunch of magic items. And I like the idea that he keeps it all in a tiny little purse that he hangs around his neck. I think that's pretty good. I think we are in a good spot. I feel pretty good about today's game. Why don't we take a little bit of time to look through level six, the Howling Halls, and you know, to see like what they do as they go down there. So there's a lot of words, as I've complained about before. A huge wind that's blowing through the halls. There is an elemental influence that's going on here. Each area of level six is dominant element that affects damage dealt in those areas. The dominated elemental influence in each area is indicated by the background color of the map. There's multiple ley lines pass through the region. Then the, out, the outrushing river flows into each other, merging of magical current costs. Tremendous turbulence. 50-50 chance. Let's see. So every time a magical effect is invoked, other than the simple bonus to hit or damage, when attacking with a magic weapon, 50-50 chance it triggers a collateral effect. Roll any die. An odd result of random effect occurs. Roll 100 and consult the Chaos Magic Surge Table from Deep Magic. Oh, interesting. Let's take a look at that. It said what? From the Chaos Magic. All right, let's look for Chaos Magic. There's Chaos Magic. Whoops. What did I just do? Look for Chaos Magic. That dude's... That's a pretty good Gellert the Gruesome, right? In his full... I like that picture. We're going to save that. Here we go. Page 193. Where do I stick this? I don't know where to put it. I'll just stick it here. This looks like it's got lots of cool things going on in here. Your eyes turn into potatoes and fall from the sockets. Your teeth turn into moths and fly away. You sprout insect wings, giving you a flying speed of 30 feet. It's like Ant-Man. That's cool. I dig it. Uh, so typical things don't but any kind of major effect that's fine salt storm was the level itself look like so we don't know what direction they're coming at there are looks like how many chambers 14 total chambers in this section swirling salt and there is a salt column salt mines salt devils if you stay there for too long you get ripped apart by flying sands a maelstrom door that's in six crazy winds 
and there's controls that seem to like, you know, one mistake in this situation could result in irrevocable death for one or more of the characters. It might not be instant. The characters might have a chance or two for rescue, but the odds are dismal. What's worse is the one who makes a mistake is not the one to die. That's interesting. So it's about like the, the combination of sealing this thing up, which stops the winds. And I guess that's like 607. The doors are 607 and 604. And the wrong combination can create windstorms that will blow people into the sphere of annihilation. I think that's the idea. And then there's ice elementals, rhyme worms. I don't know how much of this I want to do. You know, like, I don't know. Like I said, I'm kind of ready to be done. But death, a death trap does not seem completely, completely wrong to me. And there's a genie down here, right? To destroy the sphere of annihilation characters need courage, resources, a fair bit of luck. Show the players the point of view illustration. Yeah, there's a big void. Sphere of Annihilation itself, 10-foot sphere, much larger than standard other than that sphere. And it's lightning bolts, it blasts. If a bolt strikes an area, you can choose to have it generate a frag, frag right. Can't be moved with mental commands. There's a voidling. The voidling has two important differences. Immune to force damage. So how do, exactly do you destroy this? Unless the characters have access to a gate spell or portable hole, which is unlikely, they can't harm the Sphere of Annihilation directly. They can attack the voidling even if they can't see it. When the voidling is destroyed, the Sphere of Annihilation collapses into itself. Okay, so there's like a creature and you fight the creature and you kill it and it dies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're going to play this by ear. Like they're not going to get there today, but I want to think about one of the things I need to keep in the back of my mind. The idea of fighting the Voidling is cool. The idea that you have a Sphere of Annihilation that's fighting back is cool. But what could, you know, what could destroy it? Well, you could throw all four of the Icosahedrons in there. That might be an option. Would you be willing to destroy the Void Weaver? Not the Void Weaver, the Weird Weaver. But destroying the Weird Weaver actually doesn't end chaos. Like, it means the Weird Weaver's everywhere. But it's still, like, the entity of the Weird Weaver at that point is gone. That would be kind of interesting. What else? One of the characters could sacrifice themselves and hurl themselves into the void. Would that stop it? I mean, why would that do it? I don't know. But I, I like the idea of sacrifice as a, as a method, but I don't know exactly why that would stop it. So what is this thing? It is, it is an open rift to the void. It is a huge sphere of annihilation. It destroys anything that goes inside irrevocably. It is growing. It is getting bigger. It is caused because the ley lines are all fed here. So somebody who can get in there and unravel the ley lines and separate them, what would they need to do that? Big pair of scissors. Inside the void is the nexus by which all of the ley lines are drawn into a what do they call that the into like an event horizon if you can go in there and attack it with a magic sword you can sever it but you and everything else will be gone the rift will be closed so somebody could sever the connection somebody could sever the connection to the to the rift that's to the ley lines and that will snap the ley lines back in place that can that can work but somebody has to go in and do it the other one would be connect you know taking all of the Sphere, all of the spheres, they combine together into one massive hundred-sided die. You hurl that in there. The void, the, the, the Weird Weaver will be destroyed as an entity, but it will close the rift. So you can either sacrifice the Weird Weaver or sacrifice one of you. That seems like a pretty good one. And they have to fight this thing in order to figure out how that's going on. I think that that makes sense. And otherwise they might go around here. There's also the, a, gen, a, a genie. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know what I'm going to, we'll, 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 we'll figure that out when I get closer, but that gives me a general idea of what's going on here. So I kind of dig that friends. I think we are all set for today's game. I've got all my notes together. I've got a good idea of where things are going to start. I think there's going to be a lot of fun with this conversation with Gellert the gruesome. 
So I think things are all good. I want to thank all of you for hanging out with me today. If you enjoyed the show and you want more of my stuff from Sly Flourish, please consider subscribing to the Sly Flourish newsletter. It's absolutely free to sign up. You get a weekly RPG-related email and you get a free adventure generator just for signing up. You can also support me directly on Patreon. Patreon patrons get access to the City of Arches Sourcebook, Uncovered Secrets Volume 1 and 2, all kinds of different stuff for supporting for supporting me on Patreon. Or you can pick up any of my books, including Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, the Lazy Names Workbook, the Lazy Names Companion, or you can pre-order Forge of Foes. All the links for that are in the show notes below. Thank you all so much. Have a great day and get out there and play a role-playing game.